All right. So because we've got our kids and because we've got food waiting on us, I'm going to uh, talk briefly about Acts chapter 14. Jason preached, I think, personally, his best message he's preached yet last week in our gathering. If you missed it, it was posted a little bit later in the week. Go check that out on Facebook or on our podcast or website. And he talked about the very beginning of Acts chapter 14. I'm going to talk about a story that happens just after in verse 8. So if you want to turn there while I talk to you kiddos. Hi kiddos, how are you? You good? You doing okay? I want to tell you a story, okay? When I was in fifth grade, I entered a cartoon contest. When I say a cartoon contest, here's what I mean. Have you ever heard of a comic strip? Yes? Many of you are shaking your heads no. Let me tell you something. Have you ever heard of a newspaper? You have? Have you seen one? There's not a lot of them around anymore, but in the newspaper there were comic strips. And on Sunday, they would be printed in color, and they would look a little bit like this. Do you see how some of them are in black and white? And you see how some of them are in this big, full-page, full-color? Does any of you recognize this comic strip? Adults, do you recognize this comic strip? This is called Calvin and Hobbes. This was my favorite comic strip. I saw it in the newspaper, and I would go home, and I would draw these kinds of comics. I would create my own kinds of characters. I still love Calvin and Hobbes so much that I bought a really fancy, really heavy, hard-bound box and books and, like, bound and beautiful and a lot of money. But I was working at Barnes & Noble at the time, so I had an employee discount. I love Calvin and Hobbes. So because I loved comic strips and drawing and cartoons, I said, I'm going to enter a cartoon contest. And so I drew a comic strip that looked just like this. And in fact, I was one of the winners. Have y'all ever won a prize at something at school or something like that? Boy, I didn't either, Silas. And let me tell you, dude, I was super pumped about it. But I also felt a little weird about it. You want to know why I felt weird about it? Because I had a secret. I copied one of these exactly. I changed the tiger to look like a dog. And I changed the kid to look a little bit different. But I went and copied one of these comic strips. The same words, the same jokes, and the same looks. Now do you know why I felt weird about winning? Being one of the winners in that cartoon contest? Why? Why did I feel weird? My lovely wife just whispered, cheater. <laughs> I wasn't being honest, was I? What should I have done instead of keeping it a secret? What do you think? Yeah. I should have told somebody, right? I should have told someone the truth. And I said, I don't deserve it because I didn't make it up. Mr. Bill Watterson, who wrote this comic strip, he was the one that made this up. Now, I want to tell you another story. In the first part of the Bible story that I'm going to talk about in just a minute, Paul and Barnabas, y'all have heard of Paul. Paul and Barnabas went to a city, and he saw a person who had never been able to walk. How would that have felt if you could never, ever walk? 
you need some arm strength? Aren't you glad that you guys are able to walk? Isn't that a gift, a good thing? Well, this guy needed a lot of help. And so Paul saw this guy that never was able to walk, and he looked right at him. And Paul saw something. I don't know what. It was a mystery, but the Bible says that Paul saw in him some faith. Have you heard that word in our Bible studies and lessons? Faith is a word for trust. He trusted that Paul could do something about it. And so Paul saw something in this exchange. And it's like he's looking right at you, Owen. And imagine you could never walk. And he looked at him and Paul says, hey, man, stand up. And then the Bible says in the story that I'm about to read, he sprang up. Can y'all show me what a spring up looks like? Woo! So imagine you've never walked in your life and you jump up like that. Now tell me, how do you feel? Are you excited? Are you kind of like, eh, what's the big deal? It's just legs. You're what? Excited. He sprang up and he's walking around. And guess what? The crowd goes wild. Y'all say, whoa! Nice, Justin. That's what the crowd did. They went wild. They went so wild that they started to call Paul a name of a god that they believed in named Hermes. Can y'all say Hermes? And then Barnabas, they said, this must be Zeus. Can y'all say Zeus? Hercules? Yes. Zeus is from Hercules. He's called a Greek god. These people saw Paul and Barnabas and they said, y'all must be the gods that have come to visit us walking around like ordinary guys. They thought that Zeus and Hermes, these two gods that they believed in, were vacationing in their town looking like Paul and Barnabas. It must be gods because they healed him. Look, he sprang up. So y'all say, wow, again. Wow. The crowd has lost their mind. They're super pumped about it. And a priest for Zeus and Hermes said, well, this is cause for a celebration. So they went and got some goats and meals and special garlands and flowers, and they said, look, this must not be a guy named Paul. This must be a god. This must not be Barnabas. This must be a god. And then Paul and Barnabas had a choice. You ready? They could either say, you know what? That was pretty awesome. I looked at that guy and now he's standing up. What if Paul said, you know what? Give me that fancy flower. Give me one of those cow steaks that you just made on the sacrificial grill. I did that. That's choice number one. Or choice number two is, yo, I'm not a god. Hermes and Hercules, those are pretend gods. I didn't do it. God did it. Which do you think they chose? To take all the credit for themselves or to say, hey, look what God did. You think that they took all the credit? Well, let me tell you, unlike my story and my cartoon, they told the truth. It may look like I drew this and it may look like I made this guy stand up, but pay real close attention. I didn't make it up. Someone else did. I didn't heal this man. Someone else did. Who do you think healed that man? God. Did, did Paul, was he used by God? Did God use Paul? Yes or no? Yeah. 
but ultimately, who can make people well and healed and helped? God. They chose the right path, not like Adam did when I was in fifth grade. They said, I don't need the credit. God did it. I didn't make that cartoon. Someone else did. They had an awesome thing, but they said, guys, you shouldn't be praising us. You should be praising the true and living God. They said, give God the credit and give your life to him. Now, two quick questions. I know Miguel already quizzed you earlier. You ready? What does it mean to point to God and give him the credit instead of saying, look how awesome I am? What's something that we can say, look what God did? What is something that God has done? Healed people. He healed your grandpa. Who made you? Who woke you up this morning? Not just your mom or dad. God gave you life. This is what God did. So we say, yay, God. Can y'all say, yay, God? So when we see God and when we go to church and hear this good news that God loves you, that God wants to be with you, we can give our life to God. And that's what we're going to talk about later in our message. One day you can say, yes, God, I want to give you my life to be with you, to learn from you, how to live like you, and I'm going to trust Jesus and follow him. So can we pray? And then you can head back. And if you didn't already, get some of those crayons and get a coloring page. That's the big part of the story that I've already preached tonight. So that's what we're going to be looking at. All right. Can we say a quick prayer? Oh, little dude. Let's say a quick prayer. Does that sound good? Can y'all repeat after me? Let's repeat after me. God, we thank you for healing that man and healing so many people we know today. We love you and we say amen. Thank you, kiddos. You can go back to your folks. We're just going to talk for just another minute. If somebody wants to look at this Calvin and Hobbes book, you can. Anybody want this Calvin and Hobbes book for this evening? My kid, where this book lives? Okay. If you want to share with Owen, you can do that too. Come on up and grab this. All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 14, and that's the bulk of the story in which we're exploring. And of course, the broader story that Luke in the book of Acts is telling is how the good news or gospel of Jesus is on the move to everyone, everywhere. That's what we're looking at. Would you let me read this story that I just told, and then we're going to have a few brief comments about it, and then we're going to go uh, uh, observe communion, and then we're going to go have a communal meal together. Let's look with me in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. In Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Pause there, underline that, meditate on that, think about that. And if it causes you to kind of sit with the question mark, understand that this kind of mention is throughout the Gospels. I want to say briefly that in some way, faith is like a key 
that helps unlock a door to what God longs to do. I heard a pastor in Harlem say it this way. Sometimes our faith is the penultimate thing. Sometimes our openness is the penultimate thing. Do y'all know what penultimate means? It's the next to last thing. Sometimes our openness is the next to last thing before God does a miracle. Something powerful and mysterious and wonderful that's worth meditating on is happening right here in verse 9. So Paul's looking at him, and he said in a loud voice, stand up right on your feet. And the man sprang up, like I said, and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker or messenger. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer a sacrifice. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Hey, friends! Jason mentioned this last week. He turns around he's like, Come on, guys! They're on such different wavelengths from different cultures and different perspectives. But in verse 15, they're friends. Paul is seeking common ground and they tear their clothes as a demonstration to say, you've got it wrong, let me help you get it right. We are mortals just like you and we bring you what? We bring you what? Good news. That you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways. Yet he has not let, left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heavens and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them they ain't seen nothing like this but then just like we saw last week Jews came there from Antioch following in their footsteps and Iconium just where they were before and won over the crowds then they stoned Paul which doesn't always result in death but you can see it did a number on him because they dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the city. The next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. The word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. In Iconium, they're going to everyone, everywhere. Let's imagine that's Richardson. It's in modern day Turkey. Then they move just down a ways to Lystra where our story takes place. Let's imagine that's Garland. Next week, they'll make their way a little further to Derby. Let's call that Rockwall. On one bookend where we saw last week, they had a lot of acceptance of the good news message. And those Richardsonites or Iconiumites were receiving the good news until the religious status quo tried to oppose them and twist their message. But the gospel took root in Iconium. And then on the other side of this scene, 
when we're heading down to Rockwall, we're going to see next week, Lord willing, that churches get planted and people accept the gospel message and everybody's kind of jazzed about it, even though they're still meeting with a little resistance. In Iconium or Richardson and in Derby or Rockwall, on both sides of this gospel sandwich, people are receiving the good news and lives are transformed and churches are planning. And then you have this crazy scene in Lystra. The geographic middle and the metaphorical middle of our scene this evening. Like Paul and Barnabas, we're on mission in a messy middle ground. I don't mean to say that there's a bunch of people in Garland that are running around offering oxen to Zeus and Hermes. What I mean metaphorically speaking is sometimes on the movement and mission you're going to encounter mess and misunderstanding. And this is the season, the series in Acts chapter 14 where you're going to see the movement of the gospel breaking new ground with the people who are confused and need some help. So tonight, in the next just couple minutes, I want to make three quick parallels and observations about what we might expect to find in a place like Lystra or Garland or wherever you find yourself because it's here in a messy middle ground. The first thing you'll find is this, confusion among people with their own assumptions, expectations, and needs. The image on the slide here is that of a jigsaw puzzle missing a piece. How many of you who are parenting or work with kids or students, you sit them down, you say, give me your eyes, look at me. I want to tell you a story about fifth grade when I had a cartoon contest. And they are listening and you think they're receiving. But if you go back and ask them to tell you that story... They'll talk about how this one time my mom did this and I left my underwear in the car or something crazy and you're just sitting there going, wait, what? Sometimes what happens when people receive a message, they can't quite fit the puzzle pieces together. We need to understand citizens of Lystra or Garland or Dallas are coming to God and receiving your message with their own assumptions about who God is, their own expectations about how God works, and their own needs that are messy and require help. So they think that it's Zeus and Hermes and Paul and Barnabas need to say, no, 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 God is bigger than all of this. And then he says, you need to turn from these gods to the living God. And whatever the good news means, it is a turning from the lifeless ways and the lifeless gods. Because human beings have a proclivity to worship anything. And so maybe here it's Zeus and Hermes. But maybe today in Garland it's status and wealth. Or maybe it's this idea of what our country should or shouldn't be. And this political party becomes my church. 
And so whatever the good news is, it is news that there is one king, his name is Jesus, and the time has come to turn from all these things that aren't giving you the life that God has set loose on the world. And so it is both a turning from these lifeless things and turning to God who is life and love itself. The word repent literally means a change of mind that leads in a change in direction or a change in action. He tells them, hey, turn from this, turn from me, go to the living God. And the message that he gives, did you notice, is different from the synagogues because he's not talking to the Jewish people with the Jewish scriptures. He's talking to people that are a stone's throw from the temple of Zeus. So he says, this creator, this is the God who gave you rain and life and breath and food. And he's been so patient to send you the things of earth. But now's the time when you have a choice. And it's to know him and be known by him. This is the message. Yes, they were confused. Yes, they thought Paul was a God. They had their own assumptions, expectations, and needs. And what it looks like in the messy middle is to help them, walk with them, walk with your neighbor, walk with your friend, and show them that actually God is bigger and better than your expectations, assumptions, and he can meet your needs. This is what Paul and Barnabas is doing. One of the things I loved about the Neighborhood Bible Blast is these people that were coming and hearing that were not in church, and they're in our homes. And so when Carl and I were talking about what we are to do, we said, if you could say one thing, what do we do? And the big idea was what, kids? God is love. And the stories were what? Jesus meeting Zacchaeus even though he wasn't the most popular and deserved it. It's his grace. Then the story was how Jesus met the widow at a funeral and turned her life around and gave her back her life from the dead. And then this past week, we talked about how Jesus loved the little children and invites them to come. If you had one thing to say in all this mess, with all these assumptions, because there are too many people that still are walking around with a God wound because they think that he hates them and he's out to get them. And what would it look like for our church in the messy middle ground to say he's actually bigger and better and more loving than you could ever imagine? And this is not just some new device to sound more politically correct or fun. It's actually thoroughly biblical. John says God is love. John says that in Jesus he is full of grace and truth. Paul prays that they would learn the height and breadth and depth and width of God's love. It's like he dove to the bottom and never saw the ground. It was just more love than he could ever plumb the depths of. This is thoroughly biblical. This is the hermeneutic key that holds the whole thing together. God is love and Jesus is the image of God. So God looks like Jesus. There's never been a time he doesn't look like Jesus. He's not angry with you. He's not ready to throw you in an oven. He's ready to embrace you and call you back to your heart's true home. And the message that he does to send this is called 
the gospel. We'll talk about in the moment that in a moment. But the second thing we need to understand in the messy middle is that we need to stay rooted in the kingdom message, which is the gospel. We need to stay rooted in a kingdom community, which is the church. And we need to stay rooted in the kingdom way in the messy middle. We're going to talk about the kingdom message first. That's the gospel. They shared the good news with them. We read again in the book of Acts. How many of you, before Becky changes the slide, how many of you can tell me the gospel in one word? You have one word, one word. What are you going to say the gospel is? I heard it. Yes. If you want to say the gospel in three words, you can read it on the screen. She just changed it. Jesus is Lord. The gospel in one word is Jesus. He's where the whole thing is headed. If you want to know the gospel in three words, it's Jesus is Lord, which is especially powerful in the book of Acts. And you can read this at the beginning of Luke, because in their world, Caesar was Lord. They had it walking around in their pockets with the coins that say, the Prince of Peace Caesar is Lord. They had it lifted at every communion meal to raise a toast to the Son of God, Caesar Augustus. And then there's these kingdom communities that raise the bread and wine and say, no, Jesus is Lord. We've turned away from these pretend gods. We've turned to the living God. And Jesus is what God looks like. If you want a little more robust summary of the gospel, I'll give you 38 words. Can you read it there on the screen? The gospel is the good news that Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, is the reigning Lord of heaven and earth, and all people are invited to live in God's kingdom, filled with God's spirit, free from sin and death. Take a picture of that. Remember that. It's not the first time I've shared that. And it's not the last time you need to hear that. The gospel you'll hear is that you're a sinner and that you need to pray a prayer. That's not the full gospel. That's a nice little summary in some other words that's not as rich and robust as what we see preached throughout the book of Acts and what Jesus preached when he says, repent, The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom and how the king came and secured its reign on earth as it is in heaven. When he stretched out his arms of love and was enthroned on a cross. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And all people are invited to take up their cross, follow Jesus, and be born into the life of the kingdom that is both now and will go on forever. This is the good news that they preached then and that we are preaching now. We need to stay rooted in the gospel message, the kingdom message, because there are too many people who have made a mess of it and misunderstood it, and we need to stay connected to it. The second thing we need to do also is to stay rooted in a kingdom community. The kingdom community that helps you stay rooted and planted. I know it's the summer. I know we've got several families that are out. I was out last week. I was out the week before. Go travel. Go do this. But don't disconnect from the people. Miss a gathering. Miss it. That's fine. But man, we grow when we grow together. This is the whole operation. We're not perfect. We don't do the best programs. But if you feel connected to this community, 
Know that this community is here for you, to walk with you in the good times, the bad times, and anything in between. We learn how to love and serve each other and our neighbors by having each other and neighbors to practice on. Amen? The kingdom community helps you through texts and calls and time spent together throughout the week and times here at our gatherings remind you of the story in which we're living. When the world in the messy middle tells you it's status or hate or violence or money, we come back together and say, it's life and love and forgiveness and generosity. It's good news from a good God. Kingdom message, kingdom community. They were planted in this region of Galatia It's believed that the same kind of messy folks that Jason talked about last week and I'll talk about, Lord willing, next week, and these messy middle folks was the letter to the Galatians in this circuit of people. And they get it twisted and backwards. Paul has some nice formalities. Hey, how you doing? Hope you're well. And then he goes, hey, who tricked you? You missed it. You have to stay close to the kingdom Message the kingdom community and ultimately the kingdom way. And I'll say this before I move on to the end. I've understood the way of Jesus, listen, to be simpler yet deeper the longer I've followed him. Do you think that? Do you agree with that statement? What if I said simpler yet harder and deeper? It's simpler because when you really look at his words, his works, and his way, it's a radical orientation to God and a radical orientation to neighbor, rooted in love. And then you say, yeah, got it. And then you realize that to really give yourself wholly to God and fully to neighbor, it takes all of you. And it's deep and difficult unless you're walking with him and find the yoke is easy because you walk the way together. The way of Jesus is simpler yet deeper. And in the messy middle ground like Dallas, Texas, the line forms to the left of every other Christian person that tells you, no, this is how you be a Christian. Y'all, I talked to somebody this week that works in a Christian organization and signed a contract. He could not get another tattoo that he already has before he takes the job. Because it's unchristlike and it's not uh, allowed. And I was like, then I'm in real trouble. And I want to say, I thought Leviticus, where it talked about marks on the body, was for Jewish people under the covenant of Moses. There are so many boxes to tick. And what Jesus asked for is your whole life. It's one box. And next to it says, you. Give that. And it'll take a lifetime at his side to work it out. But in the messy middle, that's what we're called. To stay rooted in the kingdom message, a kingdom community, and the kingdom way in the messy middle ground. Finally, as I close, the third thing I see. Notice again this movement back from the status quo. If we continue the movement in the messy middle, despite suppression and misrepresentation, that's what we're called to. It's unstoppable, the movement of the Spirit, 
but at times it is uncomfortable. And that's a teaser, Lord willing, into next week of what that's going to look like. But I want you to know, if it is hard, it was hard for Jesus. If you feel misunderstood, Jesus was misunderstood. If you feel spat upon and walked upon, Jesus was sat upon, spat upon, walked upon. If it was true of him, it's true for you. But for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And for the joy set before Paul and Barnabas, they kept it moving. So, in the messy middle ground, when everyone has their check boxes, when everyone wants to shut down what we're doing and how we're doing, and you're not a real Christian because you didn't do this or you didn't do that, stay rooted in the good news, stay rooted in the words, works, and example of Jesus, and the best critique of the Christian nationalists or the legalists or any people that are doing a disservice in our middle ground in the name of Jesus, I'll leave you with the words of Richard Rohr when he says this. The best critique of the bad is the practice of the better. When Paul and Barnabas were getting struck by stones, the kingdom community picked up his broken body and carried him outside, praying for him, surrounding them. And then Paul stood up, and they sent him on to go plant churches in the next town. They didn't give up. They didn't throw in the towel. And as Jason wisely reminded us last week, sometimes God needs you in another place, and it's okay to move on. But the best critique of the bad is the practice of the better. In a moment where religion equaled violence and suppression, Paul and Barnabas modeled perseverance and love, announcing good news and inviting them into life. So I'll leave you with these two questions and then we'll receive communion. Like we were talking about way at the top with our kids, what should God get more credit for in your life this week? Maybe some of you have thanked him for healing and helping. How many of us have stopped and thanked God that the water was on when we turned the faucet? <laughs> How many of us thanked God for the electricity that powered our air conditioner? How many of you thanked God for where you are as opposed to where you've been? Finally, Looking forward, where do we see God's presence and activity forgotten, minimized, or suppressed in our lives and worlds? And how can we go and bear witness and be a detective of divinity saying, no, God is in this. God is with you. God's not forsaken you. Who in your life is out there misunderstanding in the messy middle that you can gently remind and preach good news? God is for you. God is with you. Turn to him. God, we thank you for these moments together. We thank you for our children. We thank you for this church. We ask your blessing upon us now and in the moments we have at the table, both here in communion and across the way in fellowship. We ask that you would bless these words in this time through Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. As we leave this place, remember this, nothing that we encounter
encounter in this world can ever separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. No hardship or disaster, poverty or danger, neither death nor life, angels or demons, our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Nothing in all creation can ever separate us from God's love. No matter what comes our way, we have overwhelming victory through him who loved us and gave himself up for us. Keep your eyes open for what God will do next. Give him thanks and honor. Live and share the good news of Jesus our King. Now go into the coming week with hope and joy, confident in the knowledge that God's love goes with you. Go in peace.